0: You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope.
1: Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Risen and ascended. All for you. Dear Saints, the Ascension seems like a fairly simple event. Jesus is hanging around. And then he's not. (laughs) Forty days after his resurrection. And during those 40 days, this is the 40th day after Easter. That's why we celebrate today. During those 40 days, he would appear to his disciples. He would kind of come and go and walk through doors and and disappear and appear, walking on the way, appearing on the coast. He even appeared, says St. Paul, to over 500 people at once, showing himself to them to be truly and really a man and alive and alive even after his death. But then, 40 days later, he gathers his disciples to the mountain of olives, and he speaks to them. He sends them, go unto all nations. He raises up his hands to bless them, and then he is lifted up, and a cloud hides him from their sight, and he's gone. But there is much more to the ascension than just the disappearing of Jesus for example, consider this. Remember how after Jesus died, for those three days that he was dead and gone, the disciples mourned and wept. They were filled with sadness and joy. But now, when Jesus is gone, seemingly, at the ascension, they don't weep. But they leave the place where Jesus, uh, where Jesus disappeared from their sight. They leave that place rejoicing. Well, consider this. You know, we we prayed the litany uh, all through the season of Lent. And one of the petitions, one of the prayers that we pray in the litany goes like this. We pray to Jesus, By your glorious resurrection and ascension, by the coming of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, help us, good Lord. It seems, it seems, that Jesus is doing something more in the ascension than simply disappearing from our sight. And maybe that's the first thing. Even though Jesus isn't, uh, isn't visible, does not mean he's not here. In fact, Jesus explicitly gives this promise to his disciples. He says, I do not leave you as orphans. Or on the day that Jesus was ascending into heaven, he was standing there before his disciples. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you, even to the end of the age. So Jesus can promise us, and this is one of the most comforting promises that we have, Jesus can promise us, he will never leave us or forsake us. How can it be, though, that Jesus is, uh, is no longer visible, but always here? This is the chief mystery of the ascension. And the way we think of it is this. You'll remember that when we learned the catechism, we learned that Jesus had two states. He had the state of humiliation and the state of exaltation. Remember that? And oftentimes you draw the V down. He was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. And that is his humiliation. And then begins his exaltation. He descended into hell. He rose again on the third day. He ascended into heaven and so forth. We define the humiliation of Jesus like this. That even though Jesus was, all the time, both God and man, he did not, in every way, use his divine power and majesty in the state of humiliation. And we see that. For example, Jesus hungered and he thirsted, or he was thirsty, I suppose. There was things that Jesus didn't know in his humiliation. Remember, he, he, he says that he doesn't even know the day that he's returning. And when he's in the deepest moments of his, his humiliation, he doesn't know if there's another way to save the world. Remember, he's praising the garden. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And then on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, in his humiliation, is limited to a single place. So that if you wanted to find Jesus, you had to go to where He was. There's a, a, a story in the Gospels where Jesus had gone out and it seemed like he went. He was healing people all day and then he left when the sun went down and he went up into the hills to pray and, the, and he prayed all night. And the disciples said, we were looking for you but we couldn't find you because to find Jesus you had to go to that specific place. Jesus then in his humiliation is, uh, is limited. His divine nature doesn't shine through. But in the ascension. In, at the moment of his ascension, Jesus takes up the full use of his divine majesty according to his human nature. I say that again because this is a it's kind of a heady theological thing, but it is full of comfort, I promise you. <laughs> at the moment of the ascension, Jesus takes up the full use of all of his divine nature and all of the attributes that he has because he is both God and man. So, we speak of God like this. God is omniscient. That means God knows everything. And at the moment of the ascension, Jesus knows everything. God is omnipotent, which means he has all power. He rules and he reigns in the universe. And at the moment of his ascension, Jesus takes up the full use of his omnipotence. This is what it means that it says he sits down at the right hand of the Father or he sits on the throne of heaven. That Jesus is the one who rules and reigns the entire universe. And God is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere, in every place, fully contained in the smallest of locations and fully containing the entire universe. And when Jesus ascends into heaven, he also assumes his Omnipresence, So that just as the divine nature is everywhere in the entire world and completely contained in every place, so Jesus, according to his flesh, according to his crucified body, is in every place. So that Paul says in Ephesians, he sits down in heaven that he might fill all things. Including this place, and including wherever you are.
0: <laughs>
1: the uh, back in the time of Luther, this became a debate because when the Lutherans were teaching this thing, they were they were mocked by the Calvinist, <laughs> and they said, "You're putting Jesus in every place. That means you're putting Jesus in the sewer." <laughs> they thought that was a great offense. And Luther said, God be praised for the martyrs in days of old who were thrown down in the sewer, that Jesus was there with them. (laughs) Now, I remember when I got here 17 years ago or whatever, (laughs) one of the first questions I was asked is this, and this is a Colorado question, Pastor? Can we worship Jesus in the mountains? <laughs> I imagine when the vicar gets his call to some resort town in Florida, his first question will be Pastor, can we worship Jesus at the beach? <laughs> and the answer to that question, I suppose, is it depends. If you just want to be up in the mountains because you want to go skiing instead of, you know, dragging your keister into church on Sunday then I suppose you have some third commandment issues. <laughs> but if you're in some sort of airplane crash, or you're hiking on the weekend and you get lost, and there you are by yourself, or you find yourself all alone, or you're thrown up into the mountains because you're running for your life, or you're sick and everyone throws you out of town and you've got to wander around, you know who is there with you? <laughs> Jesus. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. The ascension of Jesus means that we don't have to go to Jerusalem or to Nazareth or to Tiberias or to Toledo or Brazil or wherever he would be to find him. The ascension of Jesus means that he's here with us. And it means that if he's everywhere, he can certainly put his body And his blood here for you. So Jesus, in the ascension, takes up the full use of his divine majesty. His omnipresence now belongs to his flesh so that he is in every place. And there's another piece of comfort that I'd like for you to consider. And that is not only that Jesus is in every place, but that also that Jesus is all-powerful. He is omnipotent. Uh, He reigns. This is one of the great truths of the ascension, but perhaps this is where the devil tempts us the most. Because the scripture tells us clearly that Jesus is sitting on the throne. That means that Jesus is in charge. But if I were to ask you to look around or let's just go on a little walk around the neighborhood, or let's all sit down and watch the news tonight, and after that ask you, who looks like they're in charge, what would your answer be? I mean, it doesn't look, does it, like Jesus is really in charge. And we are constantly tempted, constantly tempted, to think that the devil is in charge, or, and perhaps this is the Christian temptation, to think that we're in charge. (laughs) And both are horrible, horrible options. If the devil is in charge of this world, imagine that. Having his will and having his way, accomplishing what he wants to accomplish, completely oblivious to the Lord's rule, then what would we do but despair? And if we are the ones that are in charge, if it's up to us what happens this today and what happens tomorrow, if it's up to us, then what would we have except for pride? But Jesus in his ascension delivers us from both of these temptations. He delivers us from the fearful pride that you are in charge. And he delivers you from the despairing possibility that the devil's having his way. I believe in Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. And he ascended into heaven. And he sits at the right hand of God the Father. Imagine it. The one who loves you so much that he that he had himself nailed to the cross to save you. The the one who loves you so much that he suffered the wrath of God so that you could have life. The one who even now in eternity has the scars of his crucifixion, he is the one who's in charge. The one who loves you, the one who died for you, sits at the right hand of the Father. What do you have to worry about? Dear saints, Jesus, your Jesus has ascended. And that means that he is with you and will always be with you. And it means that he rules and reigns all things for you <laughs> and for your benefit. This is your comfort. This is your ascension peace. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh man.